This morning, we, strangely, I guess, have been uh, talking more about economics and money in church than our church normally does, Um, but that's a a good thing. It's a good thing to be reminded that the the thing that makes the world go round, or at least the thing the world out there thinks makes the world go round, uh, gets to be addressed in here. But also, I think if we see this parable as an economic one, maybe we miss the point. If ever there were were a way to tip my hand, I I did just do it. Because this morning we read a, a parable from Matthew chapter 20. It's the parables of the workers, the laborers in the vineyard. And I suspect it's not a favorite passage for a lot of us. Robert got it right when he said this is one of those passages where if we just read it on the surface, it just doesn't seem fair. But if we see that it doesn't seem fair, if we say it's not fair, maybe we're the ones that are trying to play God instead of letting God be God. Now I think the context of this parable is pretty important. The, pa- the chapter before this one opens with a strange story that I'm glad I don't have to preach very often about eunuchs and divorce. But the whole chapter of chapter 19 is about letting as many people as possible into the kingdom of God because that is God's goal. How do we get bring everyone into the kingdom? Then Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Then there's the rich young ruler passage, which is punctuated with the words, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then there's today's reading, and following today's reading, we read that the ones who will be great are going to be last, that if you want to sit at the right hand of the Father, you must humble yourself. And then Jesus heals two men who are blind. He opens up their eyes right before we turn to chapter 21. And Jesus goes into Jerusalem to end his ministry. Jesus gives this parable very close to the end of his public ministry, uh, which means it's probably important. It's probably worth paying attention to. And these passages are all all directed towards, all driven towards the opening opening up of the kingdom of God to any who would receive it. So I hope we can approach this passage with an open mind and we can celebrate the assurance that we receive from this passage as we turn to the parable of the laborers in the vineyard from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went again at about noon, and then about three o'clock, he did the same. And at about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. 
And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said, Because nobody has hired us. He says, You also go into the vineyard. When he came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have paid them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to take the daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. And am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now be honest with yourself. I'm not going to make you raise hands. But picture yourself. Are you a hard worker? Or are you lazy? Are you willing to put in a day's work? Are you devoted enough to keep up your certifications? To earn the qualifications you need? To keep all of your certificates valid? Are you the kind of person who is mostly put together and diligent, or are you just sloppy and lazy? Now look, this is, this is Oxford Baptist Church. We're, we're a big old downtown First Baptist Church. We are full of diligent, put-together people, right? We're not freeloaders. We try not to skate by. We're not like, the, like when we were little kids, and they had garage doors before they had sensors on the bottom of them. We'd push the button and wait till the very last second and slide under the garage door right at the very end. Trying to be like MacGyver or something. That's not us. We don't consider ourselves that. We're diligent, attentive, upwardly mobile people who want to make the best of ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for one another. And we work hard at that. We do that because we know that our world is full of transactions. Economic transactions. Goods and services are provided to us daily. We provide them daily. And and in exchange for those goods and services, we receive capital, money, cash, right? We get paid for doing work. And we pay those who do work for us. Now, sometimes we barter with those who we're close to, and I'm sure some of you remember a time when much of your life, or maybe your parents' or grandparents' life, was predicated on the exchange of goods rather than the exchange just of money. But even when you were trading, I don't know, eggs for hay, you tried to exchange equal for equal. You tried to keep things balanced for the sake of the the community that you were a part of. Unbalancing the scales would have 
untipped things in relation to health and vitality and the survival of the community. Now today, we exchange cash for goods. If you need eggs, you give Walmart a few dollars and they give them back to you. It's heightened even more when we watch the news or read the paper and we see the way that economic growth is necessary to keep the world outside of these walls going round and round and round. And I guess, frankly, we need some of that economic growth inside these walls to keep the church's life going round and round and round. And all this is good and fine. There are pitfalls to it. I read through my Facebook feed and some people love capitalism and others don't. And I'm not an economist. So I just... Scroll on past. But it is important for us to recognize that we are accustomed to providing a service at a cost. That's how our minds have been shaped. That's how it seems like the world goes round. And when we look through that lens onto this parable, it is very, very troubling, isn't it? Given everything that we know about our lives, the the good old Protestant work ethic that was passed down to us by our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and forefathers, we expect people will work hard so they can earn what they receive. We expect that those who are unwilling to work all day won't receive as much. And we expect that when someone's forced into a corner, they will do what they can to work their way out of it. That is why we're driven by the satisfaction of a job well done, a day well worked, and the fair exchange for time put in. This is the pathway to the American dream. This is where it all starts. So long as you work hard, you can finish well. And that's great in an economic context. But Jesus is into, Jesus is up to something else in this passage. Jesus is working on a different kind of collective entity, which is why when we read this story through those lenses, it causes us to bristle. And maybe we shouldn't bristle because by bristling we realize that we're the ones that are trying to play God and determine how capital should be exchanged. And in this passage, it's better to just let God be God. This parable is logical right until the end where it gets very, very jarring, right? It makes sense that if there was a lot of work to do in the vineyard, the the vineyard owner would keep bringing people in to get the job finished before the end of the day. And so early in the morning, he hires the best workers, the most talented and devoted ones, the ones who didn't stay out too late last night, who were ready for a full day's work, and they agree to a wage, and off they go. And they work hard all day seeking the satisfaction of a wage well earned and a job well done. Later in the morning, he brings some new people in and he says, did you hear it? I will pay you what is right. This this landowner is fair. 
He's just. He's not going to cheat them because if he was going to cheat them, they would have demanded more than just pay for what is right. Right? As the day goes on, more are brought in at noon and at three and at five o'clock, the last of the workers put in an hour's work, 11 hours, we presume, less than those first workers. And it's time to get paid. And this landowner, he's fair. Remember, he's fair. He's not crooked. And he doesn't want to shame anybody, which is why he pays the last ones hired first. He doesn't want those last ones who are paid to think they're just going to get the leftover scraps at the end of the day. Boy, they're surprised when they get a full wage, aren't they? And then everybody expects that the ones hired first would get paid more as they get paid last. They worked the longest. They did the most work. They generated the most product for the landowner. But he pays them the same. The payouts don't increase. We're all shocked. We all bristle. We're frustrated for those workers. And we're frustrated that the workers who had been idle in the marketplace all day somehow made something like 12 times more for their work than the other ones did. It's an economic injustice. It is an exchange injustice. It upsets us unless we flip the script on it. Unless we think about it in some different ways. Unless we think about the fact that maybe we aren't the ones who were hired at 6 a.m. Or, maybe working all day in the vineyard is not just about getting paid. If we can see this passage that way, then we can see how good God really is. You see, I set us up Because I asked you, do you picture yourself as a hard worker who works all day, right? I asked you if you saw yourself as one of the diligent ones or one of the lazy ones. And none of us at this point now are going to admit that we are the lazy ones. Sure, we'd rather sleep and watch Netflix all day, but we know we need to work, so we do. We picture ourselves as diligent. We put ourselves in position to be the kind of people who get and and offer a full day's work. And that's where this passage is set up to fool us. It's it's set up to, to help us miss the grace, but then when we see the grace, really we get to see it. It draws us in, but when we step back and think about the fact that the kingdom of God is like, maybe this passage makes us grateful. You see, what if just, instead of considering the pay at the end of the day, you consider the way the day was spent? You're a wage laborer, not assured that you are going to get paid tomorrow. And today you woke up in the morning and you went to work and and the first thing you received was the assurance that you were going to get what you needed for the day. You were assured that by working in the vineyard all day, you would receive the fullness of God's love, of God's grace, 
of forgiveness and of full standing in the kingdom. From dawn, you knew that you were safe. And how much is that worth? Well, it's worth everything, isn't it? It means you spent the whole day knowing that you were assured of God's love and in God's kingdom's economics. Being assured of that reward is the very best we can hope for. It's what we dream of. And we read the chapter beforehand, and we know what comes after this passage, and so we also know that those who weren't hired at 6 a.m., they're not lesser. They deserve the fullness of the kingdom too, don't they? And so at 9 and at noon and at 3, they get brought into the good news. Because they don't deserve to be out in the cold. And we don't think that either. Because Andy stands up here and he tells us that we've given faithfully to the budget. We've given money away to missions. And we give that money away to missions knowing that it's all worth it if it reaches just one. Right? And so the vineyard owner is just like that shepherd who's got the 99 sheep protected and goes off and finds the lost one. Because this is a God who welcomes little children, who keeps going out to find those who are in need, so that the assurance can be provided to them too that God loves them. Come into the vineyard and receive all that working in the vineyard can provide. Which is why we celebrate with those who come in at the last second. They were stuck living the whole day not sure if they were going to be able to provide for those who were relying upon them. They were stuck the whole day in a kingdom economics not sure if they were going to fully receive God's love. And at the end of the day, they got it. But thinking back, how hard it must have been to have been them waiting all day not being invited into the vineyard. That's one way to see the parable. Maybe that's the most powerful way to see the parable. There's still yet another one, a shorter one, one that we don't like to attend to, but one that, if we're honest, we do need to admit, we're not always the ones that are hired at 6 a.m., are we? Like a lot of times where those kids sliding under that garage door, getting hired at the last second, catching a break, being given a gift, experiencing a grace that we didn't think we deserved, but somehow we get it still. You know, sometimes we have the assurance of God's love all day, and sometimes that assurance comes at the last second, right when we need it the most. This passage This parable, it works for us when we remember that we're not always Johnny on the spot. First thing, this passage is good news for us when we remember how needy we really, really are. This morning, uh, I set us up because this passage sets us up. It sets us up to think about ourselves as all-day workers who maybe are frustrated because things work differently. But if we can turn the passage a little bit and realize what the passage is about, a different kind of economics, 
then we can see hope. Because none of us would want to live many of our days purposefully unaware and unattached to God's love, would we? All of us want the assurance of God's provision instead of taking our chances at the last second, right? We all want to know God's love as much as we can for as long as we can. And so we want to get in and start working in the vineyard as soon as we can. And then once we get in the vineyard and we see how great it is, we should want to see others get in as fast as they can also. And so if we've been in the vineyard since six in the morning, we take heart because we've had the assurance for a long time. And that's a good thing. But we also know that it's five o'clock for some. The vineyard owners making the rounds, inviting people to come in and receive love and grace and work and hope, receive standing in the kingdom with all the rest of the workers. It's time for everyone to receive the assurance and the grace of the good vineyard owner and, 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 and the vineyard owner is the one who's playing God. And so the offering for you, if it's five o'clock for you, is will you come in? Will you receive love? Will you join God's work now, finally? Will you be refreshed anew? Don't let the fact that you are late to the work keep you from joining in. Don't let the fact that you are joining at the last second prevent you from receiving a full inheritance. For God is loving and full of mercy. God is reaching out for you and for us all. And now's the time to respond to the invitation. So we'll stop playing God and we'll stop measuring things economically. And we'll start to share the assurance of God's love with everybody who's invited to do work. We forget how long we've been working and relish in receiving the assurance of having been invited because that's the only assurance we need. That is the assurance we need most. We've been workers in the vineyard. We've experienced God's love. Let's help others receive it today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy and loving God, we thank you that you are abundant in mercy. And Lord, we thank you that you forgive us when we sometimes are not. Lord, may we see this parable in the ways that you want us to see it. Knowing that this parable is not just about the arbitrary distribution of cash, but it's about the abundant grace that you provide all of us when we are in need. And so, Lord, help us to see the times in life when we have been working faithfully under the assurance of your love. And, Lord, help us see the times when it's five o'clock and we need to be sure to receive your love anew. And, Lord, help us to celebrate with with all who receive your love and grace, who all who experience the embrace and the gift of being put to work in your vineyard. 
Help us to be fully loving and gracious people as you call us to be today. For you too are abundant in mercy and love and share that freely with all of us. Lord, help us to do that and to receive that today. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.